I'm Kate Daniels. Heart health. It's vitally important to the good functioning of our body, which can only happen successfully if we do the key things to care for our heart. So we're going to first meet a cardiologist, Dr. Susie Wu, who is with Virginia Mason Franciscan Health and a volunteer expert for the American Heart Association. Dr. Susie Wu, good morning, and thank you for joining us once again to talk about heart health and particularly in women. Thank you so much for having me. Glad that you're with us because as a cardiologist, uh, of course, this is the main focus of your work. And do you work primarily with women and heart disease? Well, I work with heart disease, yes, but I work with both women and men. But yes, women do make a good portion of my practice, of course, because some women feel more comfortable um, talking with another woman about their heart issues. Uh, but I see, I see any person who would like to be seen. Well, that's good to know. I, Having spoken with you before, I think you're just so easy to speak with and wonderful. And the fact that you are then this authority, the specialist regarding our heart, that makes it even just that much greater. So in this work with heart care, heart health, and heart disease, dealing with uh, both men and women, would you say it's kind of equal as to suffering with this condition, or uh, is it more men and more women? Right. Well, it, heart disease is definitely the number one killer of both men and women in the United States. So in that respect, it is equal. Um, but I think that we, with the Go Red movement, we've kind of focused on women and, and especially um, uh well, we focus on women because of awareness. I think that there is still a lack of awareness in women that it is uh, the greatest threat to their survival, and um, that has been shown in recent surveys. And although we've had great inroads in decreasing risk of cardiovascular death, in both men and women, we've seen that, uh, that in young women especially, cardiovascular death has actually increased, heart attacks have increased. And so there is a special emphasis that we want to make that there are women at risk. Yes. And they present differently as well. And so there are differences in how men and women present, and, and that's also something that we want to focus on and make sure people are aware of. So often we will hear the thing about, and I think this is primarily with men, is they feel like this huge weight on their chest, like an elephant sat on it or some such thing. Uh, that isn't necessarily, or does it ever happen with women? It does. It can happen with women, definitely. And uh, by and large, uh, women still often present with some type of chest discomfort, although it might not be that elephant in the chest. Um, men can have atypical symptoms too, but research has suggested that women are more often presenting with atypical symptoms. So um, even though uh, we classically call this chest pain, um, patients often don't describe it as pain, but more as a discomfort or tightness or just a weird feeling, uh, pressure. And so it, it's often hard to uh, hard for patients to recognize that they might be having uh, an event. It can even feel like the, the worst indigestion of their life. And so the other symptoms that can happen is um, just shortness of breath or extreme fatigue. Uh, but often uh, there's um, uh, uh, several symptoms that happen together, and that's really the clue that something might be going on. 
So that is probably the real telling piece here, because if we felt some indigestion or some discomfort, we might say, oh, I'm not going to bother calling 911. I'm not going to bother calling my doctor to set up an appointment. But really, is that a, a good way to react to it? Yeah, I think if, if someone has had similar symptoms um, and it's consistent with just that one sy- symptom, um, like indigestion, for example, and it responds to tums or whatever, that's that's reasonable not to call 911 right away. But if it's something different, if you're having multiple symptoms, typically when someone has a heart attack, it's at least three or four symptoms, you know, with fatigue or sweating or palpitations or shortness of breath, then then you should really worry if someone looks at you and says, you don't look good. That's definitely a bad sign. So, Another clue maybe that would help us to make such decisions is perhaps the history of heart disease or stroke in the family. Sure. I know that's hard to think about in that moment, but it's one way that we can try to identify people at risk early. Um, so a family history is, is pretty darn important um, because it identifies someone at risk and someone who we might be able to intervene early before they have an event. And that's the real goal, right? So, um, it's something that we definitely ask all our patients when they come into the office. Do you have a family history of heart disease? And the more that people can be specific about that, the better. The better. So sometimes patients will come back to me and say, oh, I asked my family and I got more details. And that's really good to know because uh, we want to know when their family members started to have their disease, uh, what the risk factors were. And um, that can help us in terms of saying you are or you are not at risk. Um, because no matter what you do sometimes in terms of your lifestyle, those genetics can be pretty darn strong and can uh, affect your risk no matter what you do in terms of lifestyle. So what would be the things that we would look at, perhaps uh, even if there weren't a history of heart disease in our family, what might be the things that we want to be sure that we are doing to keep ourselves healthy and not slip into uh, heart disease? Yeah, so uh, these lifestyle things that I mentioned are really um, maintaining a healthy diet, um, eating a variety of fruits and vegetables, whole grains, you know, low-fat dairy, uh, eating a a heart-healthy diet, and then exercising. Uh, I think most people know that these are the things that are good for them to do, but it's harder to really make them happen. Um, The American Heart Association recommends 30 minutes of exercise five days a week, and so that's a goal that people can try to reach for. But even smaller amounts have been shown to have an impact on your heart, heart health. So eating right, exercising, not smoking, and then being aware of your risk factors and really talking to your doctors and seeing whether or not you might be at risk. Those are some of the main ones. Maintaining a healthy weight is also important. So most people know about these things, but I think the Heart Health Month is a great time to kind of take stock and see, well, have I addressed any of these things? Is there anything I can do to improve my heart health and make a goal for the year, perhaps? And that's a good point, is during February, we're focusing on it. Of course, it's an every month of the year kind of focus that we should have, but this is a great month for educational elements going on 
a lot of what we can find out from the American Heart Association online at heart.org. But there's a really special event for women coming up that's the luncheon. That should be really informational, shouldn't it? Yeah, if anyone has an interest in hearing women's stories in contributing to the American Heart Association, they should think about attending this virtual event. It's virtual this year, of course. But it's been really an inspiring event where you can hear people talk about uh, the impacts that AHA has had on their lives or their research, or also um, hear survivor stories at how they have overcome their heart event and become healthier. So it's an inspiring event and a way to get connected with other people to talk about how uh, we can all improve our heart health. And that is so key. And would you say... It's always important, but now that we've been living in this time of COVID for basically a year already, is this impacting heart health and stroke? Oh, definitely. So, I mean, I think COVID had a huge impact in several ways. I think it's made people think about whether or not they're vulnerable, first of all. You know, people are thinking about their age when they never really thought about it because am I at higher risk for getting severe COVID? But because we know that people with heart conditions, especially uh, coronary disease and heart failure, may be at increased risk for events, uh, people are thinking about that and realizing that, you know, heart health affects more than just their heart, but can impact how they react to infectious disease or other things and can complicate their other health problems. Um, The other way that COVID has impacted us is just the stress and the limited way that we can exercise. So many of my patients have become deconditioned because they're quarantined at home. And so that has impacted their heart health and their ability to stay as active as they'd like to be, especially in the elderly. And then the third way I think that COVID has really had an impact in heart health is delay of care. So a lot of people have been really hesitant to come in, and that can really impact how early that they present for a heart attack, for example, or for other heart issues, and they can become sicker before they come and present to the emergency department when they really have to be seen. So I guess I would urge people to come in and not attribute everything perhaps to COVID, but like get checked out if they're having any symptoms uh, because it's important not to delay care in this time. Yes, certainly words of wisdom. And using this as a time to then uh, really focus on on our health, all aspects of our health, but uh, we really want to focus on the heart because it is the source of just so much disease and uh, just so much risk in our society, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the heart is so important. It pumps uh, blood to the whole body. So if it doesn't work well, then it affects uh, your ability to withstand any kind of stress. So uh, I think it's a great opportunity to think about uh, what we can all do to uh, become healthier. And um, it's, it's great that we have a dedicated day and month to think about that and focus on education. Yes, for sure. And Dr. Susie Wu, I just appreciate that you, with your area of focus, of expertise, that you take time to share with us some really key insights. These have been uh, very critical just in general and certainly during this, uh, you know, real tense health crisis time that we're living in. I really do appreciate all that you do and thank you for your time with us today. You're very welcome. With that foundation, we'll now meet a woman living with a heart condition. 
Holly Tucci was born with a heart murmur, and it's an amazing story that follows. Holly's a great model for what to do to live a good life when a heart condition is part of it. So let's hear the story directly from her. Holly Tucci, good morning. It's sure great to have you back joining us once again. Good morning, Kate. It's so good to be here with you this morning. And being able to be right at the edge of February and celebrating Heart Health Month. So happy Heart Health Month to you, Holly. Oh, thank you so much. And I I offer the, the same to you. It's a lot of excitement that is coming up in this month of February and doing things a little bit differently this year of how a lot of things are virtual and remote and just really aiming to amp up that energy excitement of how we do choose to honor our hearts. And we have certainly a couple of great ways, if not more. But to begin with, having you here this morning is so great because when we talk about heart health, we are talking to someone who's been dealing with it on a very conscious, active level because of a heart condition that you were born with, right? That's absolutely right. I was born with congenital heart block. And what that means is that my heart was beating a lot slower. And so that was something I was born with. By the time I was nine years old is when I just got tired of being tired all the time. And so I wrote a letter to my cardiologist and asked if I could, I could have that time at age of nine to be the time that I would get a pacemaker. They were telling my parents, by the time she's about 12 is when it'll happen. But I was at a point of doing dance and swimming and softball that I was tired all the time. And I was always last and the slowest. And so, yeah, at the age of nine, I then got my first pacemaker. And that really changed things for me at that point in my life where I remember the after. I remember what it felt like before of being so tired to the after of having energy, even coming out of surgery. Like just feeling that shift and change as I went through that recovery process. We are so fortunate, so blessed these days that this kind of technology, medical conditions are available to make such a great change that you are able to have that kind of energy and be living life to the fullest. Absolutely. I mean, that is something in, I write in my gratitude journal every morning, And something that I I have now come into terms with writing with is I am grateful for my beautiful, bionic, beating heart (laughs) because it does make a difference. Because without a pacemaker, life would probably look very different. I know it would. (laughs) (laughs) With it, I'm able to live now a very active lifestyle, one in which I've I've run two marathons now. and, And I've got two kiddos. And in addition to that, for me being a heart warrior myself, My youngest son, Mason, who's currently seven years old, is also a heart warrior. He was born with the same heart block as me. And he's had a surgery, but he's not at the point of needing a pacemaker yet. That's correct. He had a surgery in July of 2019 to put a patch in his heart to repair a a hole in his heart. And that was one of the first steps needed to be taken to prepare him for a pacemaker because we know that's coming. So we're currently in that wait and see based on how he's growing and developing, how his energy levels are playing out. 
and and so that'll be something that'll happen in the near future. We're just not exactly sure when, and and for right now, that's okay. And I was just thinking, he has the advantage of seeing his mom with a pacemaker and seeing how you live life to the fullest. So that has to really be such a great model for him. I I absolutely hope so. It's something that we do have conversation about. He's seven, and we've been talking about this. That was something entering into his surgery in July of 2019 that I wanted him to be able to have a conversation about it. I didn't want it to be something that wasn't discussed. I wanted him to, even if he was afraid to ask the questions, even if he was afraid of what he was thinking or feeling, for him to be able to talk about it. Because there's so much importance in acknowledging what's there, even when it seems scary, especially when it seems scary. That's when I feel it needs to be discussed most of all. So we can simply say, okay, what's really going on? And and he did beautifully through that surgery. There was definitely ebbs and flows, of course. Things where fear showed up, and, and we acknowledged it together. But, man, he showed me so much of what a brave warrior looks and feels like. Sometimes that looks like screaming in terror because you are afraid. But you still go on and do what you need to do. He's very aware of what it was like. And there's times where he's periodically saying, okay, I'm, I might be ready to have a pacemaker, which is also him saying, I think I'm, I'll be ready for that next surgery when it happens. So I think this is a good point in our conversation to mention because of how these conversations are necessary, helpful, beneficial, how do we do them, that now uh, we have a guidebook that's made available to Washington families, right? Yes. This guidebook is brand new. And it's something that anyone that's listening, if you have a kiddo that has any sort of heart issues, please ask for it. Reach out and ask for this book because this is something that I think about, what if my mom and dad had this? And they would know where to go and what to turn to. Or what if we had this kind of guidebook when Mason was first diagnosed? It was when I was pregnant with him and he was first diagnosed with having heart block. And I remember just being flooded with that uncertainty, not knowing, but thank goodness I was connected with American Heart to be able to say, okay, who can I reach out to? Who may have gone through similar situations like this? And that guidebook is being offered out by American Heart Association. It's specifically for the, the Puget Sound area. And it's an incredible resource that I am so glad has come to fruition in the last, I think, the last month or so. I mean, it's been a project that's definitely been in the making and has taken much time and resources to bring it all together. But it is something that, yes, if you have a kiddo that has a heart condition of any kind, please reach out. Reach out to your cardiologist's office and, and ask for this book. Or reach out directly to American Heart and ask for it. So this leads to another really key point here is that this is made available free of charge to families. This came about because there is so much support that uh, 
exists, but those that support comes from each and every one of us being involved in supporting the work of the American Heart Association. So certainly... Uh, we all play a part to whatever degree we can, big or small. It all adds up to being just the really key thing that's needed. And I th- we can get more information uh, simply by going to heart.org. Isn't that right, Holly? That's absolutely right. And there's a lot of, like, that's one, one arm of it, right? Like, that's one branch of what's going on. And especially as we enter into February, it is heart month and there's so many things taking place that it, there's lots of ways to get involved. But one that's coming up just a few days away is national wear red day, which is on Friday, February 5th. And if you want more details, you can go to wearredday.org. But the intent of it is to really wear red So think about what wearing red means to each of us. For me, it's an anchor. It anchors me into why I show up each day. It's an anchor for me of why I listen to my heart in the physical realm and in the spiritual realm of what it's telling me to do, what I need to do, what I need to speak up for, what I need to share my voice for. And it's for everyone, whether it's men, women, kids, pets, everyone to wear red and to help raise the awareness that cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of women. And so that's why we're really asking people to get involved. Again, more details at wearredday.org. And then because we're doing things a little bit differently this year because it is virtual, you can share a selfie at hashtag go red WA, go red wasp, hashtag go red wasp. And we want to see everyone. We want to see you having fun with this. Wear your red outfit, whether it's a, a piece of jewelry, a, a shirt, shoes, pants, a whole entire outfit, whatever it is, share it out on social and for you to let others know why you are wearing red, what it means to wear red to you whether you yourself have heart challenges or someone you know, whether they're alive and you're honoring them or they've passed on and you're remembering them. And there's even, oh my gosh, Kate, there's so many good things going on. There is even a way that you can actually offer actual support. Again, details at wearredday.org or you can even text live fierce WA to the number 41444. And then CVS Health, they've even got it where when you're checking out at CVS Health at the registers, you can make a donation right there, too. So there's lots of ways that are really aiming to simplify how we contribute, how we show up, whether you're wearing red, whether you're making a donation, whether you're finding ways to connect within your community. There's lots of things. And, of course, we have this great luncheon experience that will be virtual this year. Yes. And the focus of the luncheon this year is Live Fierce. So that text message that I just mentioned, Live Fierce Wa, that you can send to 41444, that's the theme, Live Fierce. How cool is that? Like, to think about living fierce. That's what the theme and the focus is. And it's about looking at challenges and thinking of them 
and breathing into them the opportunities that they are. And so, yeah, everyone, everyone, I mean this when I say this, everyone is absolutely invited to join us in this digital experience. It's on February 24th. The site for that is seattlegoredluncheon.heart.org. Again, that's on February 24th. And more details where you can register is seattlegoredluncheon.heart.org. And you can make a donation if you want to. It's certainly not required, but you can absolutely make a donation if you want to there. And there's going to be a wonderful way that we get to come together virtually because that's the way we can gather safely right now. There's going to be a panel of experts. They're going to talk about health disparities amongst women and the things we face. There's going to be a survivor story of an incredible young mom that was fit, but she experienced heart disease and how that's impacted her life. She's going to share with us. And then there's going to be breakout sessions. These three breakout sessions that you'll get to choose from when you register for the luncheon. And there's going to be things to choose from like CPR for humans and pets. There's going to be a guided meditation. And then there's also going to be some heart health trivia. So really great ways that, again, we can take it in on all levels and practice what it means to live fierce. And I dare say that when you made a commitment, now let's see, it's probably been over 14 years ago that you became really involved with the Heart Association and the walks and such. You made that commitment, and it's really made a world of difference in your life and your family. It absolutely has. When I made that commitment, when I initially decided to lead a team of people with the company I worked with, and we participated in the Heart Walk, the Seattle Heart Walk. I had no idea at the time what I was saying yes to. I had no idea at the time how it was going to show up for me by me supporting this organization that gives and supports so many that then years later, I would really need them. And it has absolutely impacted our entire family because the way that the organization has showed up for not only me, but also Mason, and has provided this guiding light as we've navigated what does it look like not only to live fierce, but to navigate the unknown and uncertainty. Sometimes Mason and I feel a little bit unique because there's not a lot of mom and child, both with heart conditions, kind of experiences out there that are being talked about that we can go and relate to. But there are organizations like American Heart that are being supportive saying, okay, let's figure this out. And we're here to help support you in that. And there's a community of people that provide the support. And there is resources and knowledge and ways to understand how we have the conversations with our doctors and how we have conversations with our loved ones of how we navigate these kind of of experiences living as a heart warrior. What does that mean? Even this last year looking out, what does that mean as a heart warrior with COVID taking place? And what are my risks? But yeah, go go redforwomen.org and American Heart Health are an incredible resource for each of us when we need it. And that's why it's just such an honor to be involved with them and to support them, to promote them, because massive work is continuing to be done each day and the way that it's involved in each and every person within the community. 
And we want that to continue to grow. We want the awareness to expand so people can know if you're in a situation of being diagnosed with something, what do you do? If you're experiencing symptoms, what do you do? So beginning with that, that part of creating the awareness and understanding and being aware is so helpful. You are more than helpful. You are just such a wealth of encouragement and insight and hope, Holly, that we can all gain from the American Heart Association, how it's there to help us because matters of the heart, heart and stroke are the major killers in our society. And whatever we can do to learn more and to support each other as family, as community is so critical. And I feel that you have really given us such a a great insight, Holly. I am so grateful to you for being so willing to be so open and honest and share your story with us. Thank you, Kate, so much. And thank you for bringing about this conversation and allowing us to share and allowing us to share out and to do so in a means of encouraging one another. That we don't have to be afraid of these things that may happen. Life is going to ebb and flow, right? Like things are going to happen. But what we choose to do can make all the difference. Choosing to show up and wearing red on Friday the 5th can make a difference. We don't necessarily know. Taking a selfie and posting it on our social media can make a difference. We may not know the impact and that ripple effect it's going to have, but it absolutely can make a difference. Making a donation, whatever the amount is, makes a difference. I know firsthand. That's one of the things that has come to be with this guidebook, with the Go Red for Women luncheon. These things do absolutely make a difference. So thank you, Kate, for having this conversation. And thank you to the American Heart for keeping this going. So much appreciation for it all. Yes, Very powerful, important words. And once again, Holly Tucci, you are so wonderful to be with us and to share your story.